Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ahoy Mets fans. We are back again with breaking news. Uh, it's not as breaking. One of us, I'm not going to say who, was at a holiday party last night and had too many drinks to podcast. Uh, I'm not going to say who that was, um, but we are here the next day in the fallout of the Mets making another big free agent signing. The Mets signed Kodai Senga to a five-year, $75 million deal. Um, it is still pending a physical, so I, I suppose... We could be jumping some sort of gun here, but it seems like this is absolutely going to happen. It appears there is a no trade clause, a full no trade clause, and an opt out clause after three seasons. Um, he's twenty nine. He has pitched eleven seasons in the NPB. Lucas, do you have have you have you watched him pitch much? Oh, by the way, I, I'm Brian. Here with me are uh, Allison and Lucas. Uh, have you have you watched much Senga tape? I have, uh, because I love the the Japanese free agents and the the Korean free agents. I mean, this is an area where I think there have been a lot of people that have been very vocal, and, and I think I've been one of them yelling about the Mets just not investing in this area for a decade. Like the last time they made a big investment out here were those random two relievers back in like 2012 or whenever that was. So. I pay. I, I try to pay attention to a lot of these guys that that uh, uh, pop up when when it's time for them to come over. Um, look, Senko Senko stuff looks real good. Um, that splitter is disgusting, and like it's not like we're watching full games. You're usually watching highlight reels, and that's always going to give you a rosy impression, of course. Sure, um, sure. 
but but the highlights sure look nice. Um, I'm no by no means an expert on this. I don't think I'm a particularly good visual scout in this regard. Even the good visual scout scouts might struggle with this, but I don't know that his fastball has great shape. But it certainly has velocity, and uh, um, maybe it could be tweaked further. Look, a lot of the a lot of the smart teams were in on him, and that's got to mean something, right? Like the Giants were in on him, and they're generally considered one of the smarter teams in this regard, and uh, uh, so are the Padres. So I think I think there's some supporting evidence just by who was interested in Sanga that this stuff is good, and at least from the highlight tapes that are available, it, it's uh, uh, pretty fun to watch. Allison, have you watched much Senga? Uh, not until the Mets signed him. Uh, but I spent <laughs> a lot of time. Uh, I may not have been at a holiday party, but I was still up until 3 a.m. watching Senga highlights because I was so hype about this. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Lucas mentioned his fastball. Um, which can touch triple digits. Uh, the other pitch that he has that is, I would say, the more like famous one is his splitter, uh, which is called the ghost fork ball, which is fantastic. I Excellent. like just on the name alone, I'm obsessed with it. That's an 80 grade um, name. Yeah, I I named a I made the title of morning news this morning the the New York ghost fork. Um, <laughs> Because I feel like that little rhyme is nice. It's it, that's what I'm going to call it from now on. The New York Ghost Fork. Um, it's it, I mean it's it, it's essentially a fork ball. Like uh, it's a it's a split finger, and it is uh, it has some action. <laughs> Just yeah. based on watching watching highlights, it is a big swing and miss pitch. I think, and it works well off of his fastball. I think that. The biggest, I guess, criticism, and I think that people like there are a lot of people that know a lot more about this stuff than I do, who say that his stuff will play um, in North America. Um, I think that the one like criticism of him, if you can call it that, um, is that he doesn't really have he has a four pitch arsenal, um, but those like secondary pitches are not as well developed as the fastball and the fork, the ghost fork. Um, so I think that like a big thing that the Mets, uh, will work on with him will be getting at least one of those other two pitches to be up to major league caliber to sort of mix up his, like the looks that he gives, gives hitters a little more. Um, so I think that that's the one thing that might develop as he comes stateside. And I think that's I will, a valid. Con- oh, sorry, Lucas, go ahead. You're, mar- I you're will, much more knowledgeable than I, than I am on this. I'm going to let you speak about this. Yeah, give, give yourself more credit. Uh, I, I will say I'm less concerned about the lack of third or fourth pitch, um, given the way bottom baseball is trended. Um, There's simply put a lot more two pitch pitchers, two pitch starters. Um, Max Scherzer to half the batters he faces is a two pitch pitcher, right? Um, uh, Spencer Strider was one of the best rookies in baseball last year as a two pitch pitcher. Um, so I think the pejorative of needs a third pitch um, is is kind of fading a little bit in, in modern baseball. Uh, I am a little worried, like more worrying than that is his control. I think that uh, look, he's not he's not a uh, Ollie uh, Perez or anything out there, but he does walk uh, more guys than than. Uh, he has a higher league average walk rate in Japan and they generally have a bigger strike zone. So uh, that might be a concern. Like if he has a little wildness, you might just get a bit of inconsistency. consistency, but uh, to Allison's point, like 
the only dudes with obviously better splitters in, in baseball than, than Sanga's right now are probably Kevin Gossman and the other big Japanese pitcher that named Shohei Otani. And if those if you have a pitch that's better than everyone else except those two guys, uh, you're in pretty good company. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I would say you're probably doing all right if that's the case. Um, yeah, what I was going to say is, you know, I don't know how much the two pitch, uh, the, the two pitch knock on him is really going to matter, especially this season when mm-hmm. when batters have not faced him before or in many cases probably only seen the highlights that Lucas was talking about before. You know, I, I could see the first season, the first season of him in the bigs, nobody really. The, the, the two-pitch mix won't matter as much, and that gives him and the Mets more time to develop that that third pitch or at least give some sort of a look. You know, even if, even if they abandon one of the four pitches and just focus on the other one and give it some more reps, maybe it'll get better. I don't know. I am not a pitching coach uh, for many, many reasons, but I am not terribly concerned about that. The control thing is an interesting wrinkle, but I think if that was really somebody's, if that was as big of a concern as some folks are making it out to be, I don't think, as you said, Lucas, that these smarter teams would necessarily be in on him if they really felt like this was a, a move that was going to be, that wasn't going to work out because of the control issue. Um, I trust those teams and their scouts more than I trust my eyes. And I understand what those folks saw, but, you know, like I said, I'm I'm feeling relatively confident in Senga as a major league caliber pitcher, even if he's not a major league caliber star, right? If he's not an mm. ace. And I think that that's something we should talk about. You know, five years, $75 million, that's a, a considerably less AAV than Taiwan Walker got. Because Taiwan Walker has a four-year deal for $76 million. And I have not heard anyone saying that the ceiling for Senga is lower than the ceiling for Taiwan Walker. That's almost no. certainly true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as, 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 true as in, like, uh, the ceiling for Senga is much higher. Right. Um, I, I mean, like, obviously... Taiwan Walker has already proved himself in the major leagues for a long time now. Of course. Um, And Sangha has not done that yet, obviously. Um, But I think that, you know, the, even if Sangha is not a star, the best part is the Mets don't need him to be right. They need him to be a solid middle rotation starter. And I think that he is, I think that all signs point to the fact that he is capable of that. So uh, that's that's the good thing. The, and the Mets don't money's not an object for Steve Cohen. That much is abundantly clear and was clear before this and becomes clearer by the day. Um, so even if the Mets are paying him a lot of money, it doesn't matter if he's not amazing. He just needs to be pretty good for the yeah. Mets to be successful. And I think when you're shopping in this range of free agents and this kind of gets into the philosophy of team building and uh, maybe other people would have different opinions on this. But at least in my mind, when you're buying this sort of mid-tier free agent, you kind of want uh, a variance in there, right? Taiwan Walker does not have a lot of uh, right tail variance, right? He's not going to uh, uh, 
the upside with Walker is limited, right? The, his early see early career injuries really sapped his high end stuff. He's almost certainly never going to change in a way that makes him a top end starter, which is fine. He's still valuable as a mid to back end guy. Um, most of his variance is on the the left tail, right, where he blows out his shoulder again, doesn't pitch. Um, and the Mets instead signed Senga, who has certainly variance on the low end, right? Maybe his control sucks. Maybe his fastball shape is, isn't good. Maybe he never gets a viable third offering and he's just a reliever. But there's also significantly more right tail upside, right? There's a realistic uh, chance. I don't know what the number on it is, but there is a, 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 a percentage chance that merits discussion that he is a legitimate number two starter in, in the big leagues. Um that the splitter is good enough, the fastball velocity is good enough, that the control isn't so bad that uh, uh, that he actually reaches that high end outcome. More realistic, more realistically, then he's a, a number three starter who has swings, right? Where some starts you walk six and you're just annoyed and it's ridiculous, and then other starts he's unhittable. And again, I think that's also something you want your mid rotation starters as opposed to a guy like Walker who's going to be generally steady aside from his occasional home run blow up. Uh, he doesn't have that sort of dominant outing. And when you're talking about uh, uh, setting up your pitching staff for the, the playoffs or something, having a guy out there who has a, a higher percent of chance, percent chance of rolling into one of those just incredibly dominant outings where the other team is flailing the entire time, that's worth more, I think. And, and Senga has that, that sort of upside, even if he's not doing that consistently. Um, so certainly from all the, for all the baseball reasons, the, the, this looks a lot better than other similarly priced signings, right? Like I'd rather have Senga at 575 than Walker at 476 or, or Tyone at, uh, what did Tyone sign for? Like 468 or something in that? Something like that. that. Yeah. 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 Um, I forget the exact number, right? But I, I'd a hundred percent rather have, uh, uh, Senga at that price, given what his realistic role is going to be. And look, if he's. If he's good, he's gone in three years and you you resign him or you don't and you say thanks for the three years. If he's good enough to exercise that opt-out, the Mets are gonna have extracted so much surplus value by that point that it doesn't matter. And if he's bad, then you have a slightly overpriced relief, probably. And uh he has stuff that's going to be disgusting out of the bullpen almost no matter what, I think, barring injury. So, like, that's the downside here is that you're paying $5 million too much for a, a, a good setup guy um, in the worst case. Uh, so, I, I, I don't this, – this contract just strikes me as a steal. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's really well said. Now, in terms of where we think he's going to slot in in the Mets rotation, are, are we seeing him, we think, as a fourth starter, third starter? Where where would you guys line him up if you were uh if you were in charge here? Three. Ahead of yeah. um Quintana and Carrasco. Yeah, I think he's the third starter based on quality of stuff and maybe for like weird sequencing reasons, you'd put Quintana first to to mess mess with hitters if Quintana actually performs. I also spent like six hundred words discussing why I think Jose Quintana might be semi sustainable yesterday. So uh, there's there's something there, but at, at least based on pure talent, I think he's the third starter in this rotation, which is perfect, right? Like you're not 
they're not signing Senga to to rely on him to to head the rotation. He's gonna slot in behind Scherzer and Verlander. And I mean that's that's a pretty sick group. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I like I, like you were saying, I could almost see them wanting to put the uh, the lefty in the middle of the rotation. Yeah, exactly. But sure, why t- not? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but you know, just but in terms of I mean talent, I, I think that's that's spot on. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, forward, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The question for me becomes now, and I'm, I am not jinxing our brand new rotation here, because I don't believe in jinxes, because jinxes are bullshit. But with this depth chart now pushing guys like Tyler McGill, David Peterson down a bit, do you think that there is going to be a move to make one of those folks uh, into the 2023 Trevor Williams, the long man? And if so, would you rather see McGill, Peterson or someone else in that role? I think that of the Mets, of that group of guys that are on the fringes, I think that Tyler McGill is probably the best option for the Mets to convert to a reliever um, just because he was injured so much uh, last season because he, but his velocity bump that he did show was real. So I think that in order to like mitigate the injury risk that comes with throwing harder, the Mets could convert McGill to a reliever. So he throws fewer innings. He can air it out over shorter stints. And he might be have the most utility of that group as a swingman relief pitcher or whatever. Um, I also think that Alicia Hernandez is an option to convert to a reliever. He still needs tweaks. Um, he gives up way too many homers, but he he's the type of guy that also has like really good stuff when it's good. Um, and I think that that is like it screams like reliever to me. So I think that those are two the of that group. Those are the two options that I think are the probably the best like. Trevor Williams replacement options. Uh, yeah, Lucas, do you disagree with that, or do you agree? Uh, um, uh, I think in an ideal world, you don't have any of these guys in the bullpen. Frankly, um, like just, I, I'm in favor of keeping most of them stretched out, and maybe that's a little uh, naive. Maybe you want a long man in there in the bullpen, but my general opinion on these sorts of things is that if you need a long guy, you can call him up the day after and swap. Um, but, uh, I think it's, I think it's okay either way. I think I generally agree that McGill would make sense back there. His stuff probably plays, plays up better in the bullpen than, uh, Peterson. Um, I really want to see Eliezer work as a starter. Personally, I think he has starter stuff. If they make, if, if the correct tweaks are made, um, and, uh, 
I mean, the best name, honestly, might be Lucchese just because he probably is the the one with the least viability as a starter, right? Like Joey Lucchese is not, just does not have the arsenal or the the stuff to, to turn over a lineup multiple times. And uh, maybe he's the one that you just shove in the bullpen initially, particularly given that he's coming back from an injury and hasn't pitched. So um, I, don't, I don't think there's any wrong choice here. All of these guys are optionable. You can make it an open competition and see what sticks. Um, uh, but Lucchese or McGill would be my choices there, I think. Yeah, my only reason for thinking about Peterson in this role is I don't know what Peterson's like. I don't know. I I, I don't have I don't have a lot of hope in David Peterson as a starter for the Mets. Whereas, See, why I think- is that? Why does Peterson get so much hate? Because I understand- it's infuriating to watch pitch. <laughs> but but uh, in terms of objective results, he's been decent, right? Like he's yeah, not... and that's why I think that he's actually like my least favorite option to become a bullpen. Like like I think because he's actually shown like the most track record of success of any of them really as a starter. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he should be in the rotation to like no, open the no, season. Absolutely. No, absolutely no. He but just. Here's... He walks too many guys. He throws too many pitches, and that's not stuff that will translate well to the bullpen either. Mm-hmm. Well, that was exactly what I was going to say. I, I I feel like my big knock on Peterson, and a lot of this is just he's he's kind of ugly to watch pitch a lot of times, and that's just you know who wants that. But if I'm sort of trying to be more analytical than that, I feel like when you watch Peterson even in his most successful outings, he seems like he's operating maybe 10 or 15% above what his natural talent level is. And you're Mm -hmm. watching somebody get good results based on, I don't want to say just luck because that is, that is, it's more than just luck, but he is, he does not seem to me to be some, there are definitely players who we've all watched for years who for whatever reason, always looked like they were about to take the next step, like they were on the precipice of something bigger. I don't see that at all when I see Peterson. To me, Peterson looks like a guy, when he gets out of an inning, he's feeling like I would feel when I get a math test back and it was a B. He'd be like, oh, fuck, how'd I do that? <laughs> you know, really relieved at, at, at me like succeeding in, a, in the most minimal way. And I feel like I mean, that's that's how I feel when I watch Peterson pitch. It's so funny because I think there is more in there. I see him as someone who is a tweak or two away from being, again, not a top of the rotation starter, but but something more than what he currently is. Um, but also, like if we if we even just based on the surface level stuff, the, the common conception is that if you have power stuff, you will be better in the bullpen, and that's not David Peterson. Right, like no. David right. Peterson does not have power stuff. Tyler McGill with that velocity jump sticks has power stuff. Um, weirdly, I also have the most faith that David Peterson stays healthy as a starter, which is odd given his many uh, injuries as a prospect. Right, I don't think we'd be expecting to say that at this point. But like Lucchese just came back from Tommy John. McGill has a shoulder thing. Um, so yeah, I mean those... uh, Peterson was just walking in the dugout and like broke his toe. That's not like a <laughs> He had like a knee thing as, as a prospect as well, like a couple uh, uh, knee injuries that were at risk of becoming sort of recurrent. But but yeah, like it's not. He's had he problems. 
I think he had a shoulder thing early on as well, but it's a while back, right? He he is the he has the best recent track record of health, and at this point, he he is a really nice sixth starter to have, right? If he is not in your opening day rotation, you send him down to AAA. Ideally, you have your organizational development staff trying to make those tweaks that make him better. And when Max Scherzer tweaks his oblique or Justin Verlander. I don't know what Verlander does or when Kodai Sanger can't throw a strike or Carlos Carrasco tears his hamstring again, like David Peterson steps in and you're in a decent spot. So um, that, that's at least what I, I, how I'd like them to manage this pitching staff for the moment. David Peterson just doesn't have an like consistently, consistently is the key here. He doesn't have a consistent out pitch and that is what he nibbles too much on the corners. And that is what, frustrates me about watching him is that like he just can't put batters away and that is not something that you want in a reliever <laughs> no, no um in a in a start like you can get away with that it's just that, like as a starting pitcher it's just that your outings won't be very long if you do that all the time which has been the case like David Peterson I think averaged like four and a third innings last year per start mm-hmm. which is fine mm-hmm. for like a sixth starter whatever um but I have seen rumors or not rumors like if you read um i'm trying to remember the first article that actually mentioned this i think it was one of the sanga write-ups forgive me it might have been jeff passan i'm sorry if i'm getting the wrong article here but it was mentioned kind of offhand that the mets may now look to turn around and deal carrasco um because and because of the like you know i think that people think that that option that money is is pretty friendly um that he's being paid and so the the Mets might now t- turn around and look to deal him to fill other like areas of the roster and I just I don't agree with that uh that strategy because the Mets this is not the Wilpon Mets anymore they don't need to like turn around and shed other salary or like deal from the rotation that you just built up to be deep um in order to fill other places uh that makes me nervous like just keep all your pitchers and win the world series like i am begging you i i 100 percent agree with you there please please just keep all your pitchers there's no reason i agree like did last year teach them nothing if they're gonna turn around and like trade carlos carrasco now because they signed sango like come on did you not see how jacob Degrom and max scherzer missed huge chunks of the season last season and your rotation is still ancient like I like, please keep all your pitchers. You're gonna need them all. Like I guarantee you that Tyler McGill and David Peterson and maybe even Joey Lucchese are gonna throw significant amounts of innings for the 2023 Mets. I just hope it's not too many to the point where the team isn't good. <laughs> yep. I mean, they, they this is literally the best pitching depth on in both the rotation and the bullpen they've had in more than a decade. Please do not instantly ruin it. Um, uh, I definitely agree on that point. And also, like, what are you getting for Carrasco that's actually worthwhile here? That right? that was going to be exactly what I was going to say, Lucas. Is that unless know. unless some team is in love with Carrasco and wants to send you something that you feel is a considerable overpay for Carrasco, and that, I don't I don't see a world in which that happens. Why would you do that? Even if you felt like okay. We went and visited David Peterson in the offseason. He's made three tweaks that we suggested, and we, we think he's going to be lights out. Wouldn't you still rather start the season with Peterson and AAA to test that hypothesis for yes. six weeks yes. before you decide that? So I 
I just cannot imagine why they would now do that. Like I said, if uh, and Lucas, you're absolutely right. If there was somewhat, if there was more upside to Carrasco, whether in terms of his contract or in terms of his stuff, but he's 35, I think. Yep. Yep. And I think we've pretty much seen who Carlos Carrasco is. Yep. Yeah. Like I mean, like, I guess they think that maybe they can turn around and flip him for like. The I mean, we talked about this last time, so getting we won't get into too many specific names, but like the the kind of the remaining holes, more minor holes to be filled on this roster are the fourth outfielder and a good another good reliever. They signed David Robertson. They need another probably good reliever. Um, So if they think they can flip Carlos Carrasco for either of those things, but those things are available on the free agent market. You only make these sorts of trades if you think you can't sign a guy that fills that role not only are they available they're so available relievers available like exactly need to do this there's a ton of them look if there was a trade out there for a mlb ready you're not gonna get an elite outfield prospect but a quality mlb ready outfield prospect uh maybe i'd look at that if you could get in an elite late inning reliever maybe you'd look at that but otherwise, Carrasco's not but, getting you either of those. Things. Exactly right. It's not going to the, the the relative value of Carrasco is going to be much greater than anything he brings you back in the trade. Um, like I think that's just the bottom line. And like the Carrasco is like a really Carrasco is like a perfect piece for a bad team to trade. Right? There's no reason for a bad team to have Carlos Carrasco on the roster. You get trade him for whatever like interesting mid level prospects you can get because that's typically what he'd return. But the Mets don't need mid level prospects right now. The value, the value of every marginal win to the Mets is worth more uh, than it is to anyone else, basically. So yeah, I, I don't understand the logic behind trading uh, uh, Carrasco. Uh, personally, I don't think there's much logic there, so uh, it's it's not on you for not getting it. I don't think it exists. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there was a fourth outfielder in particular, Lucas, that you wanted to talk about that you're yes. you're, you're newly excited about the prospect of this person. Can, being can I can I make one more point about Senga before we get? A- to absolutely, that, yes, one hundred percent, yes. So the the other thing about Senga, and we're gonna get to some. Uh, borderline conspiracy stuff at this point, but I think there's value to the signing outside of what it means to the immediate roster, right? Uh, I, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but this is not a market that's played in in uh, a very long time. They haven't made a significant signing out of the MPB or the KBO in what since like Kazmatsui. Right, like when was the last time they signed a a not just a random reliever who came over, but an actual legitimate big name star who was posted or was seeking free agency? It's been so, a very long time. Chris and I were talking about this, and we couldn't remember, and we forgot. We didn't look it up, and I forgot to look it up since then. Did they post for Kaz Ishii? I don't think so. Maybe they did. Um, I mean, they they were in on a, a couple of relievers in the early 2010s, Shikura, and I forget the other one. Takahashi, I might be wrong on, on who it was exactly. Um, but but the bottom line here is that they haven't been players. They were not players on Hassan Kim. They were not real players on Shohei Otani, though he only wanted to stay on the, the West Coast. They weren't players on Yusei Kikuchi, and maybe that worked out for the best. 
or Hyunjin Ryu, or 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 we could keep going. Um, Billy Epler has a reputation for being involved in this market, um, infamously being involved in the Shohei Otani signings, uh, or sign it singular. Um, I don't want to like get my hopes up too much or get anyone else's hopes up too much, but to me, this really signals that the Mets want to be big players in this space again have a GM who has experience in that area, have now just signed one of the most famous players to come over uh, uh, from one of these markets. And if this means that the Mets are going to be power players for every Japanese uh, or, or, or an even Korean free agent that becomes available, that's a big deal, uh, especially given that Shohei Otani is going to be a free agent next offseason, right? So this is, again, like I said, getting into slightly conspiratorial territory, but I think there's a real chance that the Mets are trying to position themselves to, uh, to, to to woo Sanga here and have that be their foot in the door to get Otani in the door and then get the next big uh, MPP free agent and the next after that, whether that's Murakami or someone else. And, and that's a huge source of potential value that this organization hasn't looked at for a long, long time. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. I wish I wish I was more confident in the ability for that to lead to Otani being here. Um, but I'm like weirdly confident Shohei Otani's coming to the Mets at this point, and maybe that's just the high Senga signing. But uh, I was gonna say, like, I think I'm just like on adrenaline, and I because I literally tweeted a like photoshopped Shohei Otani in in the Mets hat and was like soon, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit, I'm like making Yankees fan tweets now. Like that's uh-huh. how obnoxious I'm being. Uh-huh but I don't even care. I can feel myself being obnoxious and I don't even care because I'm so excited mm-hmm. about what the Mets are doing. <laughs> I, I love Daniel Vogelbach. I did not really want the Mets to replace Daniel Vogelbach this offseason. I will accept replacing Daniel Vogelbach with Shohei Otani as the primary team. But yes, that was the point I want. I think there are bigger implications outside of the on-field things for the Senga signing and those are uh, extremely exciting, um, potentially. Um now to your other point, the, the we, were, we made some we had a conversation about like what the Mets needed to add. Still, uh, we talked about a fourth some fourth outfielder targets. Um, I've become convinced that I want Joey Gallo on this roster. Uh, I think uh, first of all they need a lefty uh, reserve outfielder. Um, they also need power, and Joey Gallo does all of that. Um, now he also strikes out seven million times a season, and his defense has declined a bit. He also might not want to come back to New York after what happened with the Yankees. But I think if you can get him uh, on a, on a semi-reserve contract where you're like, look, you're going to get 400 at bats as the semi platoon with Mark Kana. You're going to spell Starling Marte. You're going to spell Brandon Nimmo. You might get some first base time. You might get some DH time. We'll get you 400 at bats, mostly against righties. Um, I think there's real value there, and I think that might be appealing to him if his market isn't robust, which it sure doesn't seem like it is at the moment. So um, I think that'd be a really nice fit, and it'd also be very fun. Do you think there are 400 at-bats to get him without impacting too much else? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the starting the entire starting outfield is injury-prone and or old. Um he'd be the best reserve first baseman on the roster, right? I don't really want Daniel Vogelbach playing the field. Um, and Pete needs to sit sometimes. Um, I'm sure the injuries will happen as well. Like you can, I think you can get him three to 400 uh, uh, plate appearances um, 
fairly easily, right? Be more aggressive managing Starlight Marte and, and Mark Connors downtime. Uh, get Brandon Nimmo some more downtime. Um, uh, find ways to get Pete uh, uh, less reps in the field so he maybe uh, stays strong throughout the season. Like I think there are this is the pro this is a problem that good teams want to have, and I think if that if you have to guarantee him that sort of playing time, he's uh, enough of an upside gamble to be worth it. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything that necessarily jumps out at me as like, that's a bad idea. I just, I don't know if Gallo's ever going to come back to New York. Oh yeah. That's the big thing. I mean, my pitch to him would be like, Hey, remember how bad all those Yankees fans were come back and shove for us and they'll hate and, and stick it to him. It'll be funny, but I don't know that he <laughs> wants to do that either. It'd be it hilarious. Can you imagine the salty Yankee fans on Twitter every time Joey Gallo homered for the Mets? No, oh, be great. Man. I be great. hope that he would homer in the Subway Series and just be flipping the bird as he rounds the bases. <laughs> that would be wonderful. He strikes me as a very mild-mannered guy. I don't know that that's uh, uh, in him, but it would be incredible. Yes. Get, yeah, I don't do think it. I don't think he wants to come back to New York in any capacity. No, but no, he we'll doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Um, Bring so, back Michael Conforto, but he probably gets a starting job. I I do think that that's that's the reality is that Conforto is going to get a starting gig on a bad team on a one year pillow contract to bolster his uh, opportunities in the future, which he is totally within his you know I think that's a good move for him, but I also have no conception of what Conforto has left in the tank. Hmm. Who can who can say honestly? Like, look, it's going to wind up being like Ben Gamble, and that's totally fine. Like, given the rest of this roster, as long as they add someone who's better than a warm body, I'll be fine with the more downfield situation. But it's fun to imagine Joey Gallo hitting some massive dingers. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is very fun. Um, since we spoke just a couple of days ago, is there anybody that you folks feel like aside from Gallo? Like, all right, let me re reframe the, the conversation a little bit here. Now that the Mets have done this, is there anything else that you confidently think they will do that we haven't already discussed? Um, I am weirdly confident they will dump James McCann somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the vibes seem to be out there. I mean, they already did the thing where they were like, oh, Texas might want to take James McCann because DeGrom likes throwing to him. I mean, He's familiar I have... with Jacob DeGrom, man. For what they threw, they went together for what, one or two seasons? I know. But like, DeGrom it's... was barely healthy. Come on. It's very silly, but I don't know. Like, I have no idea if the Texas, like, I think that was the Mets being like, yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> um and then like he, his name was also connected to the cardinals they might get the cardinals yep, to take but yep. the cardinals just signed Contreras, so i don't know about that avenue now um but i it's clear that the mets want to dump him off on any team who will take him so i think they might do that i'm trying With to think of anybody else that i feel like super confident about move wise and I don't, I don't think there really is the roster um, is frankly pretty full right like yeah, i think they might bring back Ottavino. i think that yeah. they might still do that yeah i could see that happening sure um, I, and i'd be fine with that 
Yes. Look, that'd be great. I'd encourage it, actually. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, and I think I still think they'll sign or should sign a second lefty unless they're counting on Lucchese or Peterson to be that. I would like to have a second lefty. I think there are some intriguing options which we talked about last time. Um, But yeah, the the roster is full ish, right? There's no real spot on the offense that needs fixing. There's one bench spot. Um, two, if they, if you think they'll get rid of Darren Puck, which I don't think they will. The rotation is full and full to the point where there's conversations about trading one of those guys, which we don't think they should do. Uh, the bullpen even is is not full, but but like I don't know, sixty to eighty percent full, depending on how how confident you are in some of the optionable younger guys, like. In a very short amount of time, we went from looking at a roster that had no depth and major holes to one that has pretty nice depth and and has patched all of its major holes. And it's amazing what you can do with a three hundred fifty million dollar payroll, or whatever the actual number is. No or care. It's a lot. Whatever it is, it's a lot. But yeah, all right. Uh, any closing thoughts on this, friends? Fun. This is the most excited about I've been about a Met transaction uh, for almost as long as I can remember, which I know is silly. Like they signed Max Scherzer, they traded for Francisco Lindor, but I think just the novelty factor of this and what it could imply for the uh, future direction of the organization is extremely exciting. And, you know, it's also a very fun move even for the baseball parents on its own. Allison? Yeah, I mean, Lucas said it well. It's like, this is the most exciting it's been to be a Mets fan, like, in during my entire fandom, basically. Like, I, I think it's, um, I tweeted this, like, uh, it was technically today, because it was early in, it was early in the morning, like 2am <laughs> or something. Um, but I think it's kind of ironic that on December 11th, 2008, uh, Bernie Madoff got arrested for securities fraud, and now here we stand on December 11th, 2022, and the Mets have the highest payroll in baseball. <laughs> um, you know, we've endured years and years of conversations about payroll flexibility and, like, who can the Mets that getting excited about freaking Michael Waka and uh and rick porcello and like hyping up very mid signings like that um and like we don't have to do that anymore it's just so nice to have an owner who spends money like there's the copy about a hector uh oh my god i'm forgetting the name a santiago uh the the dude they called up the i'm forgetting the copy pasta oh yeah you, you, you said the real sickos are going to know what I'm talking about, even though I don't know what I'm talking about. It's fine. Um, yeah, it, it's funny to think about this in terms of just being a really fun signing because I feel like there is – if you're at a baseball game and your team hits back-to-back-to-back home runs, no matter what, the third home run is going to be the most fun of those because of the novelty uh-huh. of how often it happens. 
right? Like you see home runs almost every game you go to. You see back-to-back home runs every hundredth game you go to. But a back-to-back-to-back home run feels special because it's there's it's, there's a novelty to it. And this signing to me felt like the third home run in a row. We're like, holy shit, they're really doing this. That's a really nice analogy, Brian. That's oh, that's very you. well said. I think. Um, I don't know. We'll say it's the fourth home run in a row, but you know, let's not, sure. Uh, no, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't going on actual signings. Just the idea <laughs> of like, you know, at, at a certain point, it becomes you can't believe this is real. You no, can't yeah, believe absolutely. this is actually happening, and that's how I feel right now. Is just that this feels so unlike other Mets off seasons that it just it doesn't seem possible. I mean, again, if you had told me in April. The Mets are not going to re-sign Jacob DeGrom this offseason. I'd have been thoroughly bummed out. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not great with it, but I'm I'm okay with it because of what happened. And I don't think anybody can look at what the Mets did and say, if it was that or DeGrom, they should have done DeGrom. Mm-hmm. No. At least I can't say that. Maybe others can't. I, I can't say that. Yeah, it's, the, it's the combined novelty of them spending money players actually wanting to come to the Mets and entering the, the, the Asian markets. It's like, it's just triple whammy of, of, of doing stuff after things could have gone so wrong. Yes. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. We're ha- we're having fun out here, folks. Look at this. Mets fans having fun in December. Who the fun? Fun, fun in my fandom. Exactly. <laughs> in, in this economy. In- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, we we got a couple actually really nice tweets from folks about uh about these emergency pods, and we appreciate that. At least I'm having a lot of fun doing them. I, I'm sorry I'm dragging Lucas and Allison along with this, but uh, no, this is really fun. fun. I'm having fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, again, I hope we have an opportunity to do another one of these because something else dope happens. But this may be the last one for a while, as I said last time. But, you know, we shall see. Um, until then, go to Amazing Avenue. Allison, Lucas, and I will have lots of words on this and others. And uh, the other Amazing Avenue contributors will have even more words on these things. We have a lot planned for this week. Just unpacking what the, what the last, you know, 10 days or so have meant for Mets fans is going to take a lot of unpacking. But you can find all that at Amazing Avenue. Um, Amazing Avenue is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Allison is on Twitter at Petite PhD. Lucas is on Twitter at Elvlahos343. I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. And until next time, let's go Mets.